So, lovely. Good morning to you. Welcome. It's great to see you all. And you know the Bible and God has a care in your flourishing. Nathan, would you like to shut that door behind you? Because then it'd be keep a little warmer in here. So the Bible has a vision of human f- flourishing. God didn't make us just to crush us. God made us because he uh, wanted people that... Uh, to have a relationship with and he wants us to flourish and to grow and uh, according to scripture life is not a zero-sum game you know what is it I I heard this expression often I used to think what on earth does that mean so I think the idea of a zero-sum game is that basically there's a piece there's a cake with 14 slices and though that's all there is so if if I get two if there's 14 people and I get two slices somebody doesn't get a slice that's a zero-sum sum game. And of course there are some things that we're not making any more of, you know, land, um, for example. And there are some things that you can't stockpile for another day, like time. Agreed? But actually, um, a lot of other things, um, I, I think we can have confidence that, that, that we can, there's hidden riches to be dug up. Things can be multiplied. Things can increase. And, um, and so human flourishing is possible, actually, and there's a creativity that is in God that is imparted to us, which is really important. And we're going to look at and consider that to some degree today when we look at the life of a- a- Isaac. Now, Isaac's one of the guys in the Old Testament. If you're at all familiar with the Old Testament, if you're familiar with the Bible, you frequently get mention of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. And they were father, son, and grandson, right? Uh, Abraham's son is Isaac. Isaac's son is Jacob. They each had other children, but that's a whole load more of a story. Isaac lived about 1900 to 1750 BC, so that's nearly 4,000 years ago. He, it was the kind of middle of the Bronze Age at that time, and um, uh, not far from Egypt, which was the major empire at that time. That's the middle kingdom of the Egyptian civilization, just to put him in kind of historical context. And um, there are st- stories told in the, in the very first book of the Bible, the book of Genesis, and it really is a riveting story, actually. So um, now, whereas Abraham and Jacob had quite complicated adventures in their lives, Isaac's story is really quite simple and much more straightforward. And I don't know about you, but I tend to observe that in lives around me. Some people's lives seem to be much more straightforward and other people's lives are much more complicated. And lives vary in that way. But um, nevertheless, although Isaac had in really quite an, in some ways quite an easy life, he did have some challenges, and these we read about in Genesis chapter 26. And it starts at the beginning of that chapter, which is on a slide, uh, K- uh, Kyla. Now there was a famine in the land, besides the previous famine in Abraham's time. So there'd been a, in that era of time, famines happened regularly. That was much harder to store food, and therefore that had a real impact upon people, as it does in some nations still today. We're protected in countries like this from the effect of food shortages. You, you know, it, goes in, it gets in the news. They've had a lot of snow and bad weather in Mercia in Spain, and so you can't get courgettes and vegetables as freely as you might to have been able to, but we don't really suffer a famine as such, agreed. So, but in those days you really did. And so we read that Isaac went to 
uh, Abimelech, king of the Philistines in uh, Gerar. So he, he, he does something. He moves to a place where there's a river, uh, potentially, or something like that. There's a valley there, at least, <clears throat> and um, an existing uh, kingdom that's much larger. Because we have to realize at this time, the tribe of the Jews was really quite small. And across Canaan, where they were living, there were many other tribes that were more substantial, more well-established with their own kings. And, of course, just down the road was Egypt, not far away, a big big center of civilization uh, at that time. So um, what we have then is Isaac in this situation where the, um, he's, he, he's gone down and then he thinks about going to Egypt, which a lot of people would have done in times of famine, to go off to Egypt where there was the River Nile and such like. But God tells him in the beginning of chapter 26, no, don't go to Egypt, stay here. This is the land that I promised you uh, and you're going to have many descendants and from your seed the whole world is going to be blessed. Right? From your seed, your, your offspring, you're going to have an offspring that the whole world will be blessed through. That offspring is, in fact, Jesus Christ. And so he does stay there. And, um, but he's still quite fearful, as uh, people often are fearful. And as a result, he tells a lie. He tells Abimelech, the king, because he's going to live in his land. Of course, he goes to see Abimelech directly to say, look, I've come with my tribe of people and my herds and animals to live around here. And it's wise to go and say, acquaint yourself, isn't it, to the leader of the people there. And... Um, and Rebecca was very beautiful, and he was a bit concerned that people might kill him to have Rebecca. And so he told Abimelech, she's my sister. Right? And it's, it says clearly he did this. He's, in the end, Abimelech sees them snogging and says, wait a minute, she's not your sister. And, um, and so he says, well, I, I was afraid. I was afraid, so I said she was my sister. Fear will lead you into a lot of evil things, actually. You know, we think, oh, fear's my problem. Do you know fear will actually multiply a lot of issues in your life? So you need to deal with your fear because if not, you'll end up making a lot of mistakes because you'll do stupid things and evil things, actually, out of your fear. So do deal with your fear. Um, that, that's just a small aside as we go along. So it turns out anyway that the Canaanites were more honorable than Isaac because Abimelech says, if anyone touches this man's wife, you've had it, I'm going to kill you. So, so they were really quite, this Abimelech chap was really quite upright and, uh, and honorable and righteous. And, and so um, Isaac starts, he's been there some while already, but he plants and he has his herds and everything. And so we get to verses, verse 12, which we, we'll read now and we'll come up on the overhead. So it says there that Isaac planted crops in that land and the same year reaped a hundredfold because the Lord blessed him. And the man became rich and his wealth continued to grow until he became very wealthy. He had so many flocks and herds. Well, this is getting on to the next bit of the story. But what I want to draw attention to here is the kindness of God. This is the gospel of grace. This is the kindness of our God. Here's this uh, man, Isaac, got this family, got all these herds and things. He goes, he lies about his wife and, and his behaves rather disreputably, uh, but then God still blesses him. And, and you might be thinking, well, that's really unfair and it didn't happen in my life <laughs> like this. But it's, it, it, we get constant signs in the scripture about the goodness of God, that his goodness towards us is not dependent on how we behave. 
It really isn't dependent on how we behave. It's very common in song, Christmas popular songs often say, um, you know, have you been good this year, in which case Father Christmas will be able to give you presents. Isn't that a common kind of thing you get in Christmas movies and stuff like that? It comes out and people often have this sense that that's how life works. And the Bible teaches actually that we do reap what we sow. But the Bible also teaches that there's a, there's a kind of, there's a dynamic of grace that breaks across that, that it's possible to sow evil and to reap good because of Jesus Christ. Right? And that's because of the grace of God, the favor of God. The, the great issue is the favor of God. The most important thing in, that you need to know is whether you have God's favor on your life. To obtain God's favor is the most important thing. And once you're under that favor, your behavior should be affected. But the important thing is to get God's favor on your life. That's the big question you should ask. Am I living under the favor of God? Can I be confident that God's favor is upon me? And if you understand the New Testament and the teaching about Christ, you can come to a place where you can know, yes, God's favor must be upon me because he has promised it in Christ. If I have a relationship with Christ, I sit under the favor of God. Not because of my own merit, but because of his merit. I sit under the favor of God. This is an enormously important question. And it sustains us even when times are troubled. Because it says there was famine in the land. It's not that Isaac was without problems. There was famine in the land. You will be sustained through the times of famine if you know, yes, I am under the favor of God. It will sustain you through the famines. So um, it's also, um, so his life was troubled. And so as we start to read there, the next slide has got verses 14 to 16. He had so many flocks and herds and servants that the Philistines envied him. You you get kind of tall poppy syndrome, is it called? You know where the the poppies that grow extra tall, they're the ones that get chopped off. And there can be that uh, in human societies, that when some people seem to really excel and do well, that we want to pull them down. You know, that we, we can't have anybody excelling. We, don't, we, we compare ourselves with others so much that we don't like it when someone else does well. So we need to pull them down. And, uh, and this is what happens here. There was jealousy and envy. So all the wells that his father's servants, this is Abraham... Abraham's servants had dug in the time of his father Abraham the Philistines stopped up filling them with earth and then Abimelech said to Isaac move away from us you've become too powerful for us and so there's a little bit of hostility but it doesn't get into open uh, direct fisticuffs or sword fights or anything like that but there's this kind of acting behind the scenes they fill up the wells he's been using with soil and water was essential you have a lot of flocks you need to get a lot of water or your flocks are going to die and so this was really um it was quite malicious it's unpleasant and it was all through jealousy and envy he was hated because he was blessed now as alan scott says if you knew what god has in mind for you you would never be jealous of anyone else right if you knew what god has in mind for you you would never be jealous of anyone else 
So we can be like these Philistines, actually, in our own lives, in maybe our professional life or with other people at work. Someone gets promoted. We can be filled with jealousy and, and try to do them down or whatever. This, is, this happens in everyday life. It, jealousy can occur in families. Siblings can have enormous jealousies between one another. Let's beware jealousy. It makes you into a nasty person. It's not the life you really want. This is not how l human life can flourish. This is not how the path to the flourishing of human life. Grace and honoring one another and being a blessing to one another, that is the way to human flourishing. But so often human beings turn in the way of these Philistines and we act maliciously towards others. We fill up their well. We pollute their uh, reputation with our words and in different ways we seek to pull down those other people. And so uh, water, of course, was essential to life, not just a luxury, essential to keep his herds and crops, uh, his herds alive and no doubt with the crops as well. So what did Isaac do about this? Did he, did he get his men? Because, you know, Abraham frequently went to battle, didn't he? He'd gather when you had a bit of a tribe, the men were trained for battle and if necessary, you called them, right, guys, we're off. We're going to give the enemy what for. But Isaac doesn't do that in this situation. And so we read. In verse 17 to 18, how he does react. So hopefully there'll be a slide of that. It says, so Isaac moved away from there and camped in the valley of Gerar where he settled. So uh, there was a map, I think, somewhere um, I, I had. So, so this, is, this is, I think, about where the city of Gerar was. And then there's obviously in a valley. So he just, he's moved further up or down the valley. He's not gone far away, but he's made a removal. So back to the scripture, verse 17. So Isaac moved away from there and camped in the valley of Gerar where he settled. And Isaac reopened the wells that had been dug in the time of his father Abraham, which the Philistines had stopped up after Abraham died. And he gave them the same names his father had given them. So he goes and he reopens the wells. He stays in the promised land. He could have again at that stage thought, I'll go off to Egypt. But no, he, he realizes this is the place God has called me to be. This is the place where God wants, me, wants to bless me. You see, God will bless you if you're in the place he wants you to be. We can so easily think that it's much, the grass is greener over there. Egypt is so attractive. Let's go over there. But if this is the place where you are called to be, then God will bless you in that place. And he uh, knew he'd, God had spoken to him. This is the land. Stay here. I will bless you here. And so Isaac has that confidence to stay in this place. And we're told he reopened the wells that had been dug in the time of his father Abraham. It's a funny thing that wells tend to get into, apart from people actually filling them up with soil, wells can just break down anyway. The, the walls can go into disrepair. They can start to silt up or whatever might happen. And they are things which are precious. They're things which are valuable. In, in the natural, they were really essential to life. But obviously, I want to suggest there's some spiritual application here as well, that wells speak of something of human flourishing. They speak of the source of water of life, the source of the Holy Spirit. They speak to us of everything which is good and lovely that we want to access. During this week of prayer this last week uh, um, on the Sunday night I think it was there were a number of prophecies about the river of God and that that river maybe w felt like it was underground and often water is underground 
It's underground here in this valley. It's there, but it's not visible on the surface. You have to dig down to find that water. And this is what they do repeatedly. If you read Genesis 26, they were digging down to find the water. And it is our place. Sometimes we think things should just arrive. We want the Holy Spirit, so we, he will just come. But sometimes you have to dig to find and uh, open up and access. You have to bring your faith. You have to go and put yourself in places where you're saying you are wanting the gift of the Holy Spirit. We go and put ourselves somewhere. We put ourselves out to receive the Holy Spirit. So he uh, uh, reopened the wells. He dug out all that soil, all that rubbish that was put in there. Sometimes maybe you've had wells of goodness, the good things that you, God got you into that um, then got sort of filled up and blocked up. Those things didn't turn out well. They've become uh, um, uh, out of reach, and you need to pull out all the, the rubbish that's in there. Now, of course, there are times when we take some initiative and people have given us some kind of wise correction and redirection in that thing, which we didn't enjoy getting, but it was something God wants us to hear. But there are other times when people have actually just discouraged us with something. They filled in the well with their discouragements and with their negativity and with their malice. And we need to dig that stuff out and just put it behind us. Don't get bitter at those people. Just dig all that rubbish out and say, this is a good well. I'm going to drink in this well. And, uh, and so we remove all that rubbish so that we make that well available to us. All the time we believe the, the, the rubbish, the rubbish is blocking up the well. But if we will put aside the rubbish and say, I reject that, then we can let that well flow freely in our lives. So maybe you've had someone at work who's been speaking against you, stirring up issues with your life about, about you in your workplace. Well, put it aside. If you need to deal with it, address it maybe in some way. But let's, let's put these things to, uh, to the side. Let's not be bitter, but instead drink deeply of the good waters that God has given us, the wells he's given us to enjoy. And then I noticed that, that also in this situation, Isaac has actually stayed in the land. He knows this land a bit because his father inhabited this land and moved around in this land. And so he knows that actually his father dug wells here before. And so he reopens wells. Later on from verse 19, they'll go and find new wells. But first of all, in their desperation, they dig wells that his father had dug before him. And this is, I think, good advice to us. We, if you're in a desperate place, it's good to find the water as quick as you can, don't you think? And while innovation can be valuable, there's, there's, there's something good about tried and tested sources of, of good water. Now, we live in an age when people, you know, when I um, was, was young, I wasn't taken to church or anything like this. And as a teenager, I knew that there should be something more to life. I wanted something more. I, I thought there was some kind of God out there. I believe there was a God. I didn't know what that God was like. And I was reaching for the water of life. I was searching for the water of life. But if, 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 if in my search it was like I was in a supermarket, and you know at the supermarkets they have the signs up saying, you know, snacks and um, frozen goods or whatever, and, and I was looking and there was like witchcraft, I thought, oh, that's interesting, go and read about that. Or Eastern religions, the Beatles were all into going off to India and um, into Eastern religion. I looked, oh, yeah, look at that. The Christianity, I'm oh, not interested in that. I just discounted it. 
But then one day when I actually met Christians, I found, wow, this really is a good well. This is good water. And I, I've drunk from that well ever since, and I found it a very, very good well. So that's a well that the, uh, the, the people for thousands of years have, have gone in that well. Right back to Isaac and before to Abraham, these are people who've related to Yahweh, the Lord, God our Father, his son Jesus Christ and the Holy Spirit. These are good wells. And if you, you're here, maybe you're here today, you're visiting or whatever, and you've, you've been around the block, you've looked at various things, I want to tell you these are good wells. The, the Scripture, the Holy Scripture, the Old Testament, the New Testament, this is a good well to open up for the water of life. I want to recommend it to you. You might be trying all kinds of novel new things, um, but please come back to Jesus Christ. Come back to that well. That is a good well to drink from. And it's a pity because modern people are very arrogant. We think we know better than people in the past. We think a ancient people were ignorant and stupid. But I want you to suggest to you that actually we might be just as ignorant and stupid as they are. And, um, and, or, or that they might have a wisdom that we need to recover. So he dug up old wells. And that's an important thing. You know, it's interesting. We used to own the building just across there, and it was called the Oasis. An Oasis is where water comes to the surface, isn't it? And now we have this building, and downstairs is Revive. You know, the symbol up here for the church symbol is fire, and the symbol down in Revive is a drop of water. And so it's like we're moving along the street, along this valley here, and we're digging wells. And uh, God is, uh, and so we dig up old wells, but we also dig new wells, right? And so did Isaac. So we read in verse 19, if, again, I don't know if we have a slide for verse 19. Brilliant. It says, um, Isaac's servants dug in the valley and discovered a well of fresh water there. But the herdsmen of Gerar quarreled with those of Isaac and said, the water's ours. So he named the well Esek, dispute, because they disputed with him. Esek means dispute. Now it's interesting that these Kurdsmen quarrel about this water, isn't it? Because this well had been, it was a new well they found, right? So they didn't have this water anyway. So to say it's ours is a bit, you know, it's, yeah, a bit rich, isn't it, really? You know, they did all the work. Isaac's servants did the work. They dug this well. They get the water and they thought, oh, no, that water's ours. What? <laughs> really? Um, I can imagine being pretty riled up if I'm those people that dug that well. I, I mean, I don't know about you, but there's certain situations that will get you kind of defending your territory, aren't there? You know, the fists rise up and that kind of the aggression comes up and you think, yeah, right. Say that again, right? Say that again. <laughs> oh, you, you know, the... We can get into that situ kind of aggressive situation, can't you? And I, I would say this is, this is the little spark point here, you know, that they've dug this well, they've done all the work, they found water, way, yes! And these guys come along and say, oh, that's ours. Yeah, right. Um, there could easily be a fight. And, um, but what happens? Um, it says, verse 21, well, then they dug another well. But they well, say, okay, have it then. And they went off. And dug another well, right? And they, but they quarrelled over that one also. Now that would really get my goat, right? <laughs> and uh, <laughs> so they named it Sitna, opposition, which means opposition. And he moved on from there, verse twenty-two. Is that on there as well? Yeah. Yep. Thanks. And um, 
and dug another well, and no one quarrelled over it. <laughs> Isn't that good? That was third time lucky. Is that the way the, the proverb comes from? I don't know. Um, but and I'm not saying promising that the third time you dig a well, they won't quarrel over it. By the way, but I want to say to you, friends, we're well digging people. And you notice this is very corporate. Each time it says Isaac's servants or Abraham's servants. This wasn't just Isaac on his own having a... Because I've spiritualized this. It's not just Isaac having a relationship with God with the well. This was their communal experience. And they were digging the well. What was the purpose of digging the well? To bring the water up. And the water would be enjoyed by the herds and the animals. It was for the good of the whole community. And what's more, when they dug a well and people said, oh, that's our water, they said, okay, we'll have it then. And... Because that's, there's something generous about this. If you've been told that you're going to be a blessing to the whole earth, then you begin to realize, hey, we dig wells and other people get the water. And that's okay. That's what we do. We're connecting heaven and earth. It's our place. Because the, they, the, the people need the water. They don't know where to get the water. We know where the water is. We dig the well. We bring the water up. And they say the water's ours. You say, okay, well, you have the water. Because we want to give people the water of life. This is what we want to do. And it's what Isaac knew, that he was blessed to be a blessing. And so he participates in this. He doesn't quarrel with it and just gives it away. And so he names that, uh, that third well, he named it Rehoboth, which means room, saying, now the Lord has given us room and we will flourish in the land. Right? We will flourish in the land. It was a time of famine, we read at verse 1, but he says we will flourish in the land. There, there may be all kinds of circumstances that are afflicting our lives personally or as a community in, 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 in this town or as Great Britain, afflicting us as a church or various groups, the business that you're part of, where you work. There may be challenges and whatever. There may be famines that we face, but if we know that we're under the favor of God, then we can start to speak like this man does, Isaac. We will flourish in the land. We will flourish. It's not just I. We will flourish in the land. Father God wants us to flourish in the land. And this is his call for us. It's his promise over us that we would flourish in the land the land. Wells speak to us of salvation from Isaiah 12. There's a, uh, a slide for this. In that day you'll say, I will praise you, Lord. Although you are angry with me, your anger has turned away. You have comforted me. Isaac maybe thought, you know, I lied about my sister. I've embarrassed the Lord. You know, I've embarrassed myself. But surely God is my salvation. I will trust and not be afraid. The Lord, the Lord himself is my strength and my defense. He has become my salvation. With joy, you will draw water from the wells of salvation. Right, this, is our, this, is our, this is what is offered to us, to draw water from the wells of salvation. As we sing our songs of worship, we are speaking to ourselves and speaking to one another. Come on, draw more water from the wells of salvation. Look into the depths of God's rich, rich mercy. Enjoy the wonderful depths and the cool, um, refreshing water of his grace. And drink deeply of it. Pull up, draw from that well, the, the wells of salvation and drink from them. The water that comes, you know, the, you only have to go down a few feet and the temperature drops off a lot. So that water is cool as well. And in those hot countries, 
it's um it's how refreshing that is you know we of course we have refrigerators so we can just get stuff out of the fridge on in the hot summer weather but then to, to dig down and it's the cool how lovely and refreshing that was and then we speak well speak also of the gift of the holy spirit and uh John 7, the famous passage where Christ says that he went on the last and greatest day of the festival. And in this Jewish festival, they used to get water from um, a particular pool in Jerusalem and in a jug, and they would parade it through to the temple, and they would pour it out at the, one of the doors, I can't remember, east door maybe, of the temple. And they were saying, we're still believing that what you promise God in Ezekiel 47, you will fulfill. You will pour out your spirit and it will flow like a river. And we're believing you for that. And on that particular day, that, on that day, Jesus stood up and said in a loud voice, let anyone who's thirsty come to me and drink. Whoever believes in me out of his... Um, uh, who, Whoever believes in me, as scripture has said, rivers of living water will flow from within them. And by this he meant the spirit whom those who believed in him were later to receive. Up to that time the spirit had not been given since Jesus had not yet been glorified. We want to go on receiving and drawing the Holy Spirit, drawing that water. And well speak of our communal blessing, of our part that we play in refreshing others so he reopened that well and well diggers are often opposed let's re let's recognize that we see that here in this story Isaac kept digging wells opposition arose I want you to know this let's be real here if you will be a well digger connecting heaven to earth you will find that people get upset you will find there is opposition you'll find there is conflict about those things it has always been thus, right? Those who go after the Lord, uh, that th th there's all kinds of things, jealousy, fear, these things arise. But never mind, let's keep digging wells. Will we be a people who will dig wells, who will go after the Lord and dig wells? Sometimes we dig wells, they don't work out well. We, we've dug a well and opened the Revive coffee shop downstairs in a certain way. That, that way has not worked with fuss and bother so we think okay let's dig another well down there find a different way of making of bringing water up and making it available in that place other wells we've dug have done done well little lights healing on the streets food bank count countless things well wells you dig wells up and they work well but the thing is because we're well digging people friends and i believe we are we dig a lot of wells some of the wells get quarreled over some don't but the, the thing is, we've got some wells that are flowing with life. Praise God. So we keep digging wells. So, so what? Well, in 20, verses 23 and 24, we, we say from there, he went up to Beersheba. Um, and that night, Beersheba means the well of oaths, something like that. And it's to do with the story, but we'll, we'll skip here. So verse 24, that night the Lord appeared to him. Right, the Lord appeared to him. Right, he's dug these wells that night. That night the Lord appeared to him. I don't know, was it a dream? Was it when he was just having a stroll in the cool of the evening? Because in those hot places it's, it's nice to get out at, at night, isn't it? After dark, in the cool of the evening. It's cool off before you go to bed, maybe. But that night, the Lord appeared to him and said, I am the God of your father Abraham 
Do not be afraid. Right? Come on, Isaac, you've been letting fear dominate you. Stop it. Get rid of that fear. Right? For I am with you, and I will bless you and increase the number of your servants. Sorry, the number of your descendants for the sake of my servant Abraham. At the beginning of the chapter, God had spoken to him and said, I will be with you. But here he says, I am with you. Isn't that good? So Isaac begins with this promise, I will be with you. Now he's got this promise, I am with you. And this is the promise that we inherit. God saying, I am with you. Not to make us arrogant and boastful, but actually to make us secure. I will bless you and will increase the number. You see, when we realize God is with us and he will bless us, we're happy to dig a well and let someone else enjoy the water. Because you don't have to be so defensive about it, do you? You can, you, 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 you can cope with the quarrelsomeness and walk away from it. And so God helps us instead of being riled to be generous. And that is a good thing. So Isaac then does four things described in verse 25. It says, Isaac built an altar there. He called on the name of the Lord. He pitched his tent and his servants dug a well. They dug another well. So I just want to commend these four things to you. you know, he built an altar. An altar speaks of offering and of acceptance. Right? It's a place of offering and of acceptance. So you, you want to be a well-digging person? You want to follow the example of Isaac? I want to say to you, uh, bring an offering and know it's accepted. Right? Bring an offering and know it's accepted. It speaks of offering where you bring your devotion. Say, yeah, I'm giving myself to the Lord Jesus Christ. I'm devoting myself. He doesn't want your stuff. He wants you. When he gets, you know, if he gets our heart, he gets our head and our hands and all our stuff too. What he wants is our hearts. And when you bring that offering to know that in Christ you are accepted, that your offering is welcomed, that you are, it's not that we are acceptable, but we are acceptable in Christ. He welcomes us. And therefore, we bring ourselves and we know we're accepted. He called on the name of the Lord. Scripture says everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. So we cry out, Jesus, save me. Jesus Christ, save me. Literally, we do that. It's, if you've never do, done that, if you never do that, you need to do that. Because this is what people who follow God, they call on the name of the Lord. Because they're saying, I can't help myself. I need a rescuer. And thirdly, he pitched his tent he made this his home. He put his stakes in here and says, this is where I am. This is, this is the land that's promised, so I'm sticking around. We like to say downstairs, we're here for good. It has a double meaning. And then fourthly, he dug a well. He said, I'm going to connect heaven to earth here. I'm going to bring up living water for the community, for people around. This is what we do. We dig wells. We connect heaven to earth. And it points back, he remembered perhaps the promise back at the beginning of the chapter where God speaks to him and says to him about uh, that I will be with you and I will bless you, which has now become I am with you. But he goes on and says, I'll give you this land, these lands and I'll confirm the oath I swore to your father Abraham. He says, I'll make your descendants as numerous as the stars in the sky and I will give them all these lands. And then he says, and through your offspring, your seed, all nations on earth will be blessed. Through your seed, all nations on earth will be blessed. Now that is the promise that we are heirs of because that seed is Jesus Christ. 
And you can read that in Galatians chapter 3. Go to the New Testament, look at Paul's letter to the Galatians chapter 3. He says that seed is Jesus. And through Jesus, all the nations of the earth are being blessed. God wants the nations to be blessed. He wants humanity to flourish. They just don't know how yet. And we are the charged with connecting all that up. That's why we dig wells of goodness. We bring God's goodness to people. So I'd like to invite you to stand. Maybe the band could come up and we might sing that song again. You sung um, the last song, the rain song. I want to invite you, there might be other things, prophecies and stuff that comes along, but I want to invite you, don't, you, you can start moving along in your thoughts or you can receive the word of God right into you. Maybe something about God's favor upon you that you need to be refreshed in, you've begun to doubt that. Maybe you need to settle it. Yes, I'm going to be a well digger. You've got discouraged. Well, some wells have got quarreled over or dug or filled in with rubbish and loads of negativity, fear, slander, whatever. Whatever the stuff is that's got into your well, just think about what that stuff is. And so your well's blocked up. You're not getting any water. And you've given up. You just sat there in the dryness. And God wants to... Just stir you. That just today he's saying to you, come on, let's dig out that, that, that old well. Get rid of all that rubbish and negativity, whatever the rubbish was that got thrown in there. Pull it out, forgive, forget, move along, drink that water, and then let's get digging some new wells. Never mind whether they get quarreled over. If you, if you can't deal with quarreling, don't dig wells. But then what, do you, what are you here for? Right? What are you here for? The people quarreled with Jesus. Everyone who has tried to go after God in the earth has been quarreled with. So don't let quarreling put you off. Right? Thank goodness Jesus didn't let a bit of quarreling put him off. He overcame it to save you and me and to make a way. Thank you, Father God. <laughs>